Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hello and welcome to Sentimental Garbage, a podcast where we talk about the culture we love that society can still be a little dismissive of. My name is Caroline and Mercury is unfortunately in retrograde. Joining me is author and real life witch, Michelle T. Hello, Michelle. Hi, thanks for having me. Thank you for agreeing to come here and talk about, I think, one of the biggest pillars of feminine culture that we all feel a little embarrassed about sometimes. Maybe the more liberated among us don't, but it's magic. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, I think that... I think that we are having a little bit of a renaissance um, among about magic of magic that is actually very much powered by millennial and Gen Z women and queer people and non-binary people. So um, I think that even I think that some of the embarrassment will be left behind in the dust, I hope, as as more and more people have a sort of witch pride. I I, I hope so. And it's funny because I've been hearing for quite a few years now. Oh, there's this renaissance. Mm-hmm. And I remember when Trump was elected, there was this whole thing about how people were getting together to curse yes. him. <laughs> you know, it felt like every five seconds there was an article out being like, people are really into witchcraft or people are really into astrology. And at this point, it's a bit like how every five years they say that Adam Sandler has done a great dramatic role. It's like, can't we just accept that Adam Sandler is a dramatic actor? <laughs> And magic is real. Right, right. Uncut Gems is a masterpiece. And lots of people are witches. It's not a big deal. <laughs> totally. Yeah, can we just, can we stop calling it in vogue or back in fashion? It's like, no, it's been like, we've had 10 years of think pieces now. It's here, it's It's safe. really true. And like, I don't know, maybe, I feel like media likes to talk about these kind of things and write about them. And like, I think that like media needs to shift the way that it's profiling it and actually integrate it into the, the work that it does, you know, I, I'm thinking about like, there's some women's magazines that have actually stopped doing like, oh, so, is witchcraft real? Meet some real live witches. And instead, they're kind of talking about, um, you know, like tarot decks you might like. And it's like, they're not having to pr- premise it like there's this crazy thing called tarot that some people like, but there's an increased recognition that, um, you know, the kind of tools of the trade, tarot cards, you know, crystals, an interest in astrology, getting your chart, chart done, maybe getting energy work done or an aura photo. Like those are things that people do, you know, like the way that we like go to karaoke or like go and have a boba tea yes. with our friends, you know, like this is just part of um, the world that we inhabit and, and the activities that, that bring us uh, meaning and joy. Karaoke or getting a boba tea is such a good comparison <laughs> because it's like not something you do every sure. day. It's like it's not it's not going to the movies, right. but it's like it's it's above yeah. that. Yeah, it's special. <laughs> and below going to a fairground. Right. right, totally, totally. It's like you're not going to go visit a psychic like you know three times a month. I mean, maybe I actually know some people who do, but the average person <laughs> is not going to do that. But it's not that crazy. Maybe it's a special thing that you treat yourself to sometimes. You know. 
every time they always have this sad little paragraph towards the beginning and I know because I've had to write some of these paragraphs um, <laughs> and I'm sure so have you um, it's always like um, it's, it's the same sort of premise every time it's like um, so why witchcraft why now well increasingly people are disassociated from communities and are looking to a higher power but are you know shunning the uh, organized religion because of it, the patriarchal hierarchies etc etc and it's always why but it's never why not right it's never why not and it's also never like why have people been Christians for so long like <laughs> Like yeah. <laughs> today in our culture, we have X amount of humans indulging in Christianity. Why? Why Christianity? You know what I mean? It's like, it's, it reminds <laughs> me of the way that like, I don't know, like in the eighties that the way that people, and maybe even in the nineties too, surely people wrote about like queer people. It was like a deviation mm-hmm. from, you know, why are they not straight? You know, it's like straight's the norm. Why are these people gay? And I think I, we at this point, we just know, like, you know, people are queer and whatever. Who cares? And I feel like it's moving away from, like, witchcraft is a, some sort of a deviation from Judeo-Christian, you know, that we should be. But these people have deviated to, to witchcraft, you know. Um, I feel like, yeah. I mean, that's also a very white Western way to look at it. And there's other major religions besides the Judeo-Christian ones. But, um, but I feel like, yeah, there's definitely... I feel like more of there's a little less of that happening, I hope. And I hope there's increasingly yeah. less like why witchcraft and more just like, oh, yeah, witchcraft. What 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 else? What 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 do you do? What can I do? Can I can I do do any of those practices interest me? Do they capture my imagination? Can they help me live my best life? I, I'd love to know. So you you had the intro. I, uh, you're the writer of many books. Um all of the ones that are available in the UK, I have managed to buy. And, Thanks. And um, you've been working in this for a really long time. Like you, um, you moved to San Francisco really young, and you were working as a tarot reader from a really young age. Right? Uh, I started reading. Well, I started reading tarot cards when I was fifteen, um, and I had a group of little outcast goth friends. We all lived in New England, and we felt really connected to the spooky history of New England and um, were really, you know, influenced by like the goth movement in the UK, actually. And we read tarot cards um, for each other. And that's how I learned. And then when I did move to San Francisco in my very early 20s, like 21, I think, or 22, um, I started reading tarot cards on the street, um, on Hate Street. And I learned quickly that I will make would make no money doing that. Um, People, you know, Hate Street is famous for having like a a lot of like street people and like runaway kids and stuff like that. And people were giving me like a cigarette or like a rock or some pennies. But somebody also gave me really great advice on how to get food stamps. And I was very broke at the time. And it really saved me to, to know how to, to access that resource. Um, and from there, I started reading tarot cards inside a shop on Haight Street. Somebody kind of found me and was like, do you want to do this in my, you know, candle store? It was this cute little boutique that sold like candles and oils and from there, I've sort of done it off and on professionally. Um, when I lived in, uh, when I was a little older in San Francisco, I would do it regularly at the Lexington Club, which is a sort of infamous, you know, lesbian bar that happened in San Francisco. And you know, now I just do it. I, I do it on my podcast, and I do it um, on my Instagram. Uh, my, um, I'm sorry, I do it on my Spotify Green Room show, Ask the Tarot, which happens every Wednesday evening, um, U.S. times. But um, but yeah, I, I guess I've been doing it for a while. 
And there's like, I think there's a lot of suspicion around any kind of divinatory type of reading like that. Tarot, psychic readings, all that. That it's just cold reading. And I have, um, you know, I, I, my experience with them, with magic is, is kind of very typical in that I was very into it when I was a teenager and then was sort of drifted away from it because of a sense of sort of the putting away of childish things and sort of shame and embarrassment around it and, and, and wanting to, to not alienate boys who are generally extremely alienated by this stuff. And I remember one of the arguments about all of that stuff that I was so drawn to, particularly the tarot, which I would say is my main thing, um, is that someone is not, they're not connecting to a higher spirit or being or aura. They're just very skilled cold readers. They see your stance. They see the groove from your missing wedding ring. They see, they notice all these things. They put it together. They ask you leading questions and all this kind of thing. And my response to that has always been, but is that worth nothing? Interesting. Oh, I like that response, actually. Because, yeah, as you were saying it, I was like, oh, God, that's kind of a, a very cynical take on being very observant and intuitive, kind yeah, of, exactly, right? Exactly, yeah, exactly, right? But, um, but, you know, I think that I think that, that um, I, I, for tarot readings specifically, I think that, that there's a lot of a misunderstanding, there's a lot of misunderstanding of what, about what a tarot reading actually is. Like, I I know that you can go to psychics who work with tarot and they are sort of pulling things out of the air and and connecting to spirits or ancestors and and things like that. I don't read like that. And lots of people do not read like that. For me, a tarot reading is a really good therapy session. Like that's more what it's like. Like I'm not necessarily like I'm not going to tell you when you're going to die. You know, I'm not going to predict your future 20 years hence. Like that's just not my skill set yet (laughs) who knows who knows but um i don't do that what i do is um you know i use this ancient tool that so much um you know for hundreds of years humans have um sort of infused it with um these symbols with meaning right and i'm sitting down with somebody say i'm sitting down with you to read your tarot cards um we are both agreeing like we've made an agreement that we're going to exchange this energy you know and that is really where that's for me that's the energy that's the magic. And we're going to, and it's still a mystery, like why? Why and how does our combined energy work with um, these pictures and help create a story that resonates for you, that, that sort of gets at the heart of some truths that you're working on right now. And to a certain extent does predict a little bit of your future. But you know, the, the future that I predict in my tarot readings is sort of like, if you keep shaking the table, your milk glass is going to tip over. You probably know that. You know what I mean? It's not sort of like, you know, the, the future that I predict is definitely um, coming out of your present moment. So it sort of gives you a chance to step back and think more um, more intensely um, or mindfully perhaps about your present. And in that way, we can kind of see our future a little bit, right? If like we know that if we're heading in this direction, yeah. we're probably going to end up in that spot, whether it's a good spot or a bad spot, you know? And there's always luck and chance, of course, in all of our lives. So that comes in sometimes. But it really is more like a good, a really good um, therapy session, I hope. And it's such a beautiful thing when you enter into that energy with somebody. Um, I, yeah, I've been reading tarot for for a few years now and it's that thing of 
when you enter that little space with somebody and it is about trust and you and, and there's always this place where you can say like yeah we're just kind there's always that sort of um when you're getting someone in who's cynical about it and you're like look think of these as a therapy tool think of these as just like a picture and that will represent your feelings and you know we don't have to talk about the suits or the major arcana we can just talk about us and you and me and then something will happen yeah and they will just flip that's so nice right? yeah i mean it's so interesting when you get a cynical person coming in for a tarot reading because clearly something about them wants they want to believe there's something about them yeah. that that is interested but i don't know if it's like a self-protective impulse of like oh you're not gonna you know scam me i got my eye on you but unfortunately I have found that when people are very cynical and if they if they come to, if they come to me wanting me to sort of prove to them that this works it just kind of doesn't work you know which is you know I don't know it's kind of sad it's like a self-fulfilling prophecy perhaps on their end you yeah. know and I'm just sort of like I don't know you know like I don't personally care if people believe in tarot or not it's like if you want to disbelieve in it like go disbelieve in it you know what I mean like but don't come to a tarot reader <laughs> With that yeah, attitude, because it's, so it's sort of like, I don't know, like, you know, your energy, we're, we're energy workers. And so your energy is at play here. It's an element that is helping this kind of succeed or fail, you know. But I'm so aware of that, um, that, that sort of people being suspicious and guarded that like when I do my tarot readings, the reality is when I do a tarot reading, the more I know about the querent, you know, the person whose cards I'm reading, the better the reading they're going to get. Because then I really know how to apply the, what I'm seeing to their life, right? Because I know so intimately what these symbols mean and what these cards mean. But I, you know, I what I'll do is I'll lay out all the cards and I won't ask them anything. I'll just be like, okay, here's the story I'm seeing. And I'll just like spread it all out from the cards because I, I don't, know always where someone's coming from and I don't want somebody to feel like oh she just asked me all these questions about my life and so that's how she you know spun it you know because I, I do it is the cards doing the work you know but then ideally what happens is after I lay that out lay out the cards do do my spiel I can't even hardly look at them I'm just looking at the cards and saying what the cards are telling me and then from there people are usually like well, can I tell you like what's going on right now? And I'm like, yeah, you know, like as much as you're comfortable with, I never want anyone to feel pressured to reveal things to a stranger. Um, but the more I know, the more I'll, I can be like, oh my God, that makes so much sense because there's another aspect of this card that's about X, Y, and Z. What what you're explaining is such a... Um, gets down to a real dichotomy in how people understand magic, mm -hmm. I think. And there's definition one, which is, you know, rabbit out of a hat you've been you've been fundamentally tricked through sleight of hand or misdirection and and that's you know a very, the very typical and valid you know definition one of magic in terms of magic shows and then there's definition two which i think people like you and i are, are more interested in which is the creation of something <laughs> you know I, 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 I mean everyone has their own definitions of what magic is but to me it's this creation and existence of something <laughs> that it, that that has sort of force and intention and is made of force and intention but is fundamentally invisible um. i love how you're putting it this is such a beautiful um kind of explanation of something that's so ineffable and so hard to put words to i love that yes <laughs> And it's, the thing is, the, the, the struggle with this podcast, Michelle, <laughs> is, 
is um the, you know this podcast is about you know feminine culture that we've been taught to feel ashamed of and i'm still not over feeling ashamed of loving yeah. this well i mean i understand why I, I i feel like you know we are encouraged to play when we're kids and we're not you know we are not required to be rational like we're allowed to have imagination and we're allowed to have and encouraged to have imaginative play and then after a point we're not supposed to anymore and really what i feel like um for me what like witchcraft is is it's imaginative play it it, it engages that same part of my you know mind or whatever it's engaging that um just gets pleasure out of make-believe so in that sense, you know, when people are like, do you really believe you're casting a spell and you have control over, you know, I'm like, you know, A, I don't know. Like, you know, like, how do you, how, how the hell do I know? Like, like scientists can't disprove that we're not in a computer simulation. Like, don't ask me questions about how reality works. Like, cause you don't know either. We don't know. But what I do know is that it gives me a lot of pleasure and it makes me feel inspired and it gives me um, a sense of awe and wonder and appreciation um, for the world around me. Um, it encourages me to have gratitude. It encourages me to be mindful, um, to think about the elements, the basic elements, earth, air, fire, and water that make up the globe, the planet that we're on. I mean, it, the benefits to it are only positive. It's so interesting. It's like, so I'm allowed to read a book, right? I can read a fictional book that's fantastical and I'm allowed to get that sort of pleasure. And maybe I can even write a fantastical book and get that kind of pleasure, but I can't you know, the culture will frown on me, you know, standing in front of my altar and lighting candles and thinking sweet thoughts about people that I care about or making wishes for things that I want to come true in my own life or even just being meditative and, you know, picking a tarot card and then giving myself some time to sort of contemplate what that tarot card might mean. It's it's interesting because, I mean, I guess there is, um, there are people who also direct this sort of scorn towards um again followers of judeo-christian religions but by and large people don't really say wait a second you all go to some room big room together every sunday and you stare at a, a, a an image of a man who's been murdered he's like and he's still attached to the implement of his murder and torture i'm always like you know if if jesus had been guillotined christians would be walking around wearing little gold guillotines around their neck you know it's like oh so God. i know right i mean any any spiritual belief is irrational because spirituality does not it's not the realm of the rational it just isn't it's and that's okay because you know rationality is extremely important and so is fantasy and play and emotion and all these other aspects of ourselves which you know have traditionally been seen as the more feminine part of existence i guess right women are, are emotional and you know prone to fantasy and you know that's something that's that's you know kind of a myth about about women that we're always trying to shake off and show we can be rational too you know mm. but i think that um i mean there's we can just unpack this forever and there's so many i feel like that problem necessarily needs to be attacked by so many in so many different ways you know one way is like you know of course that's really stupid and you know you know women are rational creatures as, as rational as anybody and also what are women <laughs> so let's attack that too <laughs> like what the hell is a woman even okay and then also like why you know so what if women are so what if anybody is very emotional and, and fantastical why is that a bad thing you know why aren't men quote like more emotional like why is 
why are we being forced to sort of like stamp out our emotion and and our penchant for play and fantasy? Why aren't men encouraged to stamp out their adherence to rationality or else, you know, at the ex- at the exclusion of their emotional and 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 um, having a more fantastical inner life. So all of these things need to be. We need to attack it from all the different ways, you know, and know that like, you know, emotion being a feminine thing, sure, but like, fe- you know, feminine. The feminine does is not only the property of people who have you know uteruses. The feminine is a property of uh, you know of all people. You know, it's just been disallowed in people, you know, who have like scrotums, you know, and just like, you know, the rational has been disallowed to people who were born with, you know, uteruses. So we have to just unpack it in all these different ways. And this thing of like, you you, you hit on something there that really struck me, which is that we're always, we're trying to prove that we're rational. And I think that's what leads a lot of people to this road, this pattern but I think it's really common of like being super into witchy stuff when you're in your teens and like haunting your local magic yeah. shop. And you were lucky because you were in New England, which like, you know, that's a huge tradition of witches and that kind of stuff. And I was lucky because, you know, Ireland has a huge sort of Celtic yes. interest. And you go to any Irish town, you can find somebody with a weird oh, story about a fairy. I love it. I'm going to speak for myself and I'm going to assume a lot of other women listening, perhaps, or people listening, um, had this huge interest, this huge passion. um, And then there became this tipping point at around 16, 17, where it suddenly became not okay. And then, uh, you know, as I said, came back to it much later in my in my early to mid 20s and was just ready for it. And I had surrounded myself with enough um, women who I respected and people who I respected um, who loved this stuff unapologetically and my sort of preserve of what I thought about myself was no longer men's expressions uh, and then I just th- that space for play just opened up again and, and really it actually happened in large part to one of your books which was um, Modern Tarot oh, thanks yeah, yeah, I, I picked it up as I was kind of re, like relearning the tarot again as an adult person. And it just made me fall in love with it because as you've been talking on this podcast, you you have this way of it making sense without it needing to make sense. Yeah, <laughs> you know? yeah. Um, and then I, um, I uh, from the back of that, I started incorporating it into my fiction. Uh, and then I, I then sold a fantasy series yay. about the tarot. Oh, yay. So... Basically, I owe you about 10 oh, grand. stop. I'm so psyched for you. I'm so psyched for you that you found success in, in like, you know, allowing yourself to be open to this path. It's so cool. And it's been really lovely. And there's this bit in one of your books, one of your other books, where you talk about chanting and incantations. And for that, I think a lot of people, I think affirmations has become a little bit of a dirty word because... I think there are a lot of people who are basically charlatans on Instagram. Oh, for sure. Yeah, <laughs> there are. Which is... Yeah. yeah. And for them, affirmations is a big like, well, here's my affirmation of the day. Here's my Patreon, everyone, kind of thing. Um, and it's made me very suspicious of that. But you talk about... There's a chapter on money in your book, oh, How to Grow oh, Up. Oh, I know. I know which one you're going to talk about here. So you talk about having this like real, you know, this real um, 
trying to th- this very familiar freelance existence of trying to thread a life Ugh. together using a blanket that will barely cover your yeah. toes. What and a way to put it. You you <laughs> and um, there's this. You come up with this sort of incantation, this affirmation for yourself about being a money magnet. And you go go on and you keep chanting it and you go, I love money. Money loves me. Money loves me. <laughs> money is sexually attracted to me. I like that one. Yeah. yeah. Yes. And I'm, re- I'm you're reading it. And this is a lot of your essays on this kind of stuff. It's like, huh, who's this kooky right? fruit? Yeah. <laughs> you're like, but then you hit something and I'm like, fuck, this kooky fruit knows things. <laughs> <laughs> And and you say, um, there was another unexpected magic, the money magic chant worked on me. It transformed my relationship to cold hard cash. When a system is oppressing you, it's easy to take the most glaring physical representation of that system and demonize it. The system itself tends to be invisible and infinite strings of transactions and reactions stretching into antiquity. As a poor person sensitive to the strings of classism, I decided earlier on that I hated money. Money money was evil. Money was the problem. I avoided financial exchanges wherever possible, putting on free events, doing free tower readings, giving away my little books of poetry sometimes. When, po- when money was inevitably involved in one of my projects, I shuddered and pushed the responsibility onto somebody else. You deal with this. I hate money. And you go on like this for a page or two, and it's very, very recognizable. And then you talk about how this chant that you were doing all the time, it made money less of a faceless monster that was the cause of all your problems and indeed society's problems and became a thing that was like playful and puckish and sexy. Yeah, it's true. It's true. And like, all, that is a way that like, I mean, I guess maybe this is a, a way that the, that the kind of work of magic um, can be seen um, and valued by people who are more rational minded, you know, that it's, it's not necessarily just about like, I'm casting a spell out into the ether and money is going to magically come to me. I mean, again, maybe, you know, I don't know. But also, like, you, it's, it's, it's a way of doing like healing, psychological and emotional work, you know, and for me, um, growing up, you know, broke, and then having like a class consciousness and being like punk, like, It was just like, fuck money, eat the rich, you know? And then when you have that adversarial um, relationship to money, and yet you need money, the way that we all do under capitalism, we need money. It's like my my, um, adversarial relationship to money wasn't destroying capitalism and bringing, you know, financial equity to people. It was just... Um, making it so that I was at a disadvantage in life. You know, I had, I had skills that I wasn't valuing. I had, um, you know, I, there were things that I hadn't learned to do. I hadn't learned to become comfortable with money. And I had a few instances where, you know, I, I was in collaborations with people and my, um, fear and avoidance around financial issues made it so that I let them handle all of the money. And, you know, they weren't in a very good place at that time. And they, like stole money from me, you know what I mean? Like, <laughs> like all is forgiven. I love the, the couching and, and the good know, faith right? argument, but they ultimately they stole I, from me. You know, <laughs> it's it's a long time ago, and all is forgiven, and and I understand what was going on for for the the, the folks I'm thinking of here. But um, but it's you know it's real, and I have to take some responsibility for putting myself in a situation where I completely avoided finances, and I made it really easy 
for people to say, well, like, you know, well, she doesn't want anything to do with this anyway, so I'm just going to grab a couple extra hundred dollars out of the pile. And, you know, she's, she loves, she loves being poor. <laughs> um, and it really, you know, it really, it really changed for me when I, when I got sober, when I stopped drinking, because I think that there was something about, um, yeah, fuck money and that bravado that you need to kind of like do that. It, it really, it really went really well with the bravado of like alcoholism, you know, and, just sort of, uh, you know, created this sort of persona that I didn't even understand I was embodying until I took the alcohol away. And then all these other sort of elements of my personality fell away as well, where I was like, oh, it's actually really hard to be broke. Like it's a struggle, you know, and it's, you know, when you're broke, but you always have enough for some booze at the end of the night and you can just go out and get drunk and, you know, and, and, and not necessarily care about other things, then it was okay. But then suddenly being like, well, who am I now that I'm sober? Maybe I'm somebody who wants a face cream (laughs) or maybe I want to, maybe I want to live in a, maybe I want stable housing, you know, all these things that a a lot of people who don't have these issues grow up with just like, well, of course you want stable housing and a, and a face cream, like, duh, you know, but that wasn't my path. My path was to, you know, demonize everything and then have to kind of humbly crawl back around to it and be like oh gosh I guess I am just a regular person after all and you know I I am a human being and I want my creature comforts you know and and I'm living in a culture where those creature comforts are bought with money so what am I going to do to be able to change the way I think about life um so that I can live more comfortably and I, I see this again and again we my friend Nicole J Georges calls it punk damage you know that people you know hit a certain age where suddenly punk or not you want you got older and your your values change and your needs change and and you need a little more money and and now how are you going to deal with your your damage around capitalism and money and um so that you can heal that so that you can have the life that you want and for me magic has helped you know that's like a really glaring way that magic helped with that money magic chant that I still do and I found that you can substitute money for other things that you want in your life like I remember when I was feeling randy and ignored um I would be like I'm a sex <laughs> magnet like sex is attracted to me you know just to try to like and then oh yeah yes. and then you feel sexier out in the world you know you're like yeah I'm a sex magnet and so and boom right or like I remember you know being really interested in fashion being like I'm a fashion magnet you know and then like randomly would find mad you know, thrift scores and thrift stores. I had a designer give me a jacket. I like, you know, and again, coincidence, who knows? Who cares? You know, all I know, you know, was I paying more attention to fashion as a result of that? And so I found more and better deals probably. But, you know, I don't know. And and again, yeah, it's true. Like, I don't care. You know, I really don't. Um, to me, it, it feels really fun to be reminded of the the ultimate and inherent mystery of the universe by engaging with it, by trying to engage with the mystery of the universe via magic. That's so lovely. And what, what's interesting to me as well is that like, we're, we're both keeping this like, you know, th- th- you, you practice basically everything, right? You're, you're like, you got, you got your crystals, you got your various sort of like a herb magic, you've got your altars, like if, you know, there's this lovely, inclusive and expansive um, acceptance of all kinds of cultural traditions that have bled down and, and it's really embraced. But then at the same time, we talked a minute ago about like this sort of idea of a charlatanism that has always existed within mm-hmm. this. 
if we have this like really broad and messy and lovely and passionate and exuberant relationship with this stuff, it also put it's a vacuum of power for people to take advantage of other people. Mm-hmm. Which I guess is just the world, but I also don't know how to reckon with that. If if it's because it used to be like right, a, a snake oil salesman rolls into town, sells you his magic snakes, <laughs> and, um, and, uh, and then see ya, bye. But now it's a it's like a it's a white lady selling you a very expensive bundle of items. And and then if you, if it, if it didn't work out for you, well, that's your problem. Yeah. I mean, there is so much privilege and a sort of abuse of power that does occur in like new age, you know, circles. I mean, there is that whole, you know, belief that like you know we create our own reality, and so like if you have a hard time, then you're not you know vibing high enough, and like you know that's so it's so it's so abusive and like victim victim blaming it's like no we still live in a material world that's rife with like racism and classism and sexism and homophobia and all kinds of you know grounded rooted systemic problems that affect our lives it's not one or the other we're not just little spirity ghosts floating around we're people who are also at the mercy of um, other people and of the system's that we've inherited, you know, that we're all trying to dis. Hopefully, you know, we're lots. So many of us are trying to dismantle. So yeah, you just have to. You have to have a good bullshit detector. And I just feel like one thing that's really good about magical practices that are sincere and really just self focused um, is that it does help grow your intuition, so that you can be a little bit more hopefully um, alert to something that seems like too good to be true. Or like, who does this really benefit? You know, who's benefiting from this? Um, and it's hard. I mean, I have, an, I have an aunt who I feel like is just a witchy person. She's always been a witchy person, you know. And she is really prey to like a lot of crazy things. Like she'll just like, she doesn't have a lot of money, but she'll, she's, she's no different really than those sort of like fundamentalist Christians that watch the evangelicals on the TV and just send them you know, tons of money, you know, I feel like all, all spiritual practices have these more dishonest people or, you know, because there's power involved sometimes, um, you know, can attract people who think that they can get a power trip out of this and, and feed their ego or their pocketbooks, you know, and my aunt will just, she gave all this money to this guy that's like, believing trying to tell her that like, um, it's some sort of stupid wellness program. And he's like, Oh, yeah, you have to detox. And, Everyone who has brown eyes is, um, this is, he's this quack and he's very well known. He's in Florida in the United <laughs> States where lots of quacks are, oh but like everyone who has brown eyes, it's <laughs> actually our toxins. And if we just follow his diet and it's like, like all of our eyes will turn blue. And I'm like, who is this racist loser? I was like, are you, yeah. are you kidding me? <laughs> like, so yeah, they're everywhere. Right. And, and I, and, and there is an alarming rise in the United States and maybe in the UK as well of like right wing people you know, who are taking to like wellness sort of um, practices and wellness lifestyle stuff that does have a little bit of overlap with sort of witchy spiritual practices. So you, you still have to have a bullshit detector. Um, and, you know, there are people who are, are no good, just like there's people no good in every, every sector. We're still just humans here, you know? And also it's like, yeah, you might, you might get a, t- a bad tarot reading from someone and maybe they're just not a good tarot. Like they might not be a charlatan, they just might not be a good tarot reader. And it's just the same way you go to a restaurant and you get a shitty plate of pasta and that person's not trying to rip you off. Maybe they're just not very a very good cook. They got to <laughs> they gotta learn more or they got to find a different profession, you know? 
<laughs> yeah. It's it, it's so interesting because um that thing that you just said about the overlapping between this culture and um kind of a magical wellness mm-hmm. culture and a right-wing culture, you can totally see where that blend would happen because it's that thing of like, well, you know, I've sort of I've thought and and uh conjured my way into this happy beautiful life and if you can't right and <laughs> it's uh yeah and it's, it's sort of this um it's this, uh, it's another way to sort of not acknowledge a kind of inherent privilege yeah. and it's interesting because it's like it's almost impossible to talk about um magic and people who actually use it year round and it's not just kind of like a like a halloween or a thing for them mm-hmm. or whatever it's impossible to extricate from politics mm-hmm. Because I do think, and, you know, if you go on any sort of forum or Tumblr or any place where people are, like, exchanging spells or tips or anything like that in a kind of a wholesome, um, peer-related mm-hmm. way, you you will always come across the worst story you've ever heard. It'll be something like, um, my ex-husband won't leave me and my kids alone. I have a restraining order, but the cops aren't listening to me. Does anyone have a spell to help guard my house from my ex-husband? And you're looking at it and you're like, whether or not there is a spell that works, that woman is trying to fill a vacuum in between her unbelievably vulnerable situation and a system that has failed her. Right, yeah. Yeah. And we can't, like, you know, just magic spell you know domestic violence into the void like if only if only we could you know and and that's again about how like yeah we are you know spiritual creatures having an earthly experience and and with other human beings embodied human beings and like we have you know we have light sides and we have shadow sides and we we deal with each other often really poorly and we need systems in place to help one another and they're not you know they're not independent of each other like you know whether whether you're, you know, a witch or a Buddhist or a Muslim, like you still are living in the country that you're living in and you're subject to the rules of that country. And so you got to make sure you have, you know, you elect leaders that, you know, have the same value system as you do because, you know, politics affects all of us. Like these political realities are social realities and they, they affect, you know, they affect the most vulnerable among us. You know, I, I think about when I think about politics, I really just think I think about caretaking for the most vulnerable among us whether that's like a social safety net or you know like keeping a you know abortion like accessible and legal or you know selling a little or a lot shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business from the launch your online shop stage to the first real life store stage all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage shopify is there to help you grow shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout 36 percent better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms because businesses that grow grow with shopify Get a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash work. Shopify.com slash work. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. 
what for you is like your your favorite parts of your sort of practice? I heard you say on a podcast recently that like you feel like the people who are public about using witchcraft have to be like very productive about it. They feel like they have to be pressure. Like, oh, the new moon is coming. Yeah. You have to oh, do something. God. I know. I know. There's this great witch that I love. Her name is Sabrina Scott. I think she's Canadian and um, she's like on, you know, Instagram and stuff. And she, she did a post recently where she was like, it's okay to miss a moon. Like it's okay <laughs> to miss the, the full moon. And it's like, oh my gosh. Yes. You know, cause I don't know if you just think about like, I mean, I, there's, you know, in other religions, I guess, or spiritual practices, there's more sporadic holidays throughout the year. But my God, if you want to follow like a moon worshiping pagan practice, you've got two holidays every month for sure. If you're going to do new moon and full moon. And what if there's an equinox and what if there's an eclipse? And, you know, it's like, it, it's, it's too much. <laughs> so I really, yeah. I really like I did an interview also with Phoebe Bridgers for, for, um, for my podcast, Your Magic, and she was talking about being a lazy witch. And I'm like, yes, you know, like, you're still a witch, you're just a lazy witch, you know. But I, I want to take it even further than that. Like, I don't think there's any judgment. Like, you're not even lazy. You're just, you know, sometimes you have the time and space for a, for a more robust spiritual practice. And sometimes you don't, you know. And like, right now, I'm in a spot where, you know, I've definitely been, I, I've been away from my altar. I haven't really had a really strong spiritual discipline for like the past month or so. I can tell I'll like look on my altar and I'm like, oh, my, you know, my fancy cup that I keep water in, it's all, the water's all dried up. You know, there's no water and the water's evaporated. Oh my God, when was the last time I lit a candle? You know, those tarot cards that I've pulled, they've been up there for a while, but I just accept <laughs> that. Like I'm not a perfect, I'm so not a perfectionist in any area of my life. So also in spirituality, I, I don't feel like I need to be a perfectionist. And, you know, I just try to like in that moment connect and be like, oh, what can you do right now to connect then since you're noticing, you know? And sometimes I look at those tarot cards that I pulled and they've been sitting on there for a month. And I think, oh, well, how does that image in the tarot relate to this past month? I guess I'm still in that, that tarot card then, you know, I'm still in that energy. And what does that mean? So the, the good thing about having these sort of spiritual practices and mindfulness practices. It's like, you know, it's not like being Catholic and you haven't gone to church, you know, in six months, and then you got to go to confession and tell the priest that you haven't gone to church in six months. It's not, nobody's judging you, you know, you might be judging yourself, but, um, but you can, you can do it your way, you know, and that's, that's a comfort, I think. And it's meant, it's meant to be a comfort. Spiritual practices should be a comfort. They shouldn't be one more thing that we hit ourselves over the head with, you know. So for for people listening who who don't have a spiritual mm-hmm. practice and who would really I think most people would like one, right? Like what do you think is a place to begin? What is a good beginning? Well, you know, I, I do think it's interesting you're like uh, most people would like one. I think that that's really true. I think that we are sort of devotional creatures a lot of us, you know, and um I would say like a, a, an interesting first step for somebody might be to think about like when was the last time you felt awe or wonder? You know, like uh, for me, I'm a big fan. Like I get, I have been an obsessive fan, especially in my youth, my youth. Like if I liked a band, if I was moved by their music, I would like, if they came to town, I was like camped out in front of their hotel room. I was going to meet them. I was going to get that thrill. I was going to sleep outside the theater to be first in line to buy tickets so I could be closest to the stage. If I wasn't closest to the stage, I was going to hop chairs till I got up there. And for me, like that was really transcendental. Like I was really moved by that. And I feel like there's not that much of a difference, honestly, between that feeling and 
you know, the, the feeling that I ideally hope to conjure in myself through a magical practice. So knowing that we, we have a desire to transcend the mundane, to remind ourselves that there's something larger than us. And sometimes that's just a work of art can give us that feeling like, whoa, how did that artist create that? Where did it come from? Like, that's a mystery too. Like, where does the artistic impulse come from? So, you know, as an artist and someone who loves art, that that's a great place for me. But who knows? Maybe you're a sports fan. Don't understand that world. But maybe you are. And maybe you feel transcendental oneness from watching in the grace of a, a beautifully, you know, um, exacted, you know, sports play or something. Mm. You gave up there like sports. Play. I don't know how do you speak about it. I don't even know. I don't know either. <laughs> oh gosh, but you know um, that can just be something to recognize that maybe part of you already is seeking to fill that spot, you know, or or has those receptors sort of in your person to to receive wonder. Um, and from there, I just think that you know I I do want to say like you know I'm a I'm a white woman living living in America, and as a white person, like I think it's important to to look at, you know, if you do want to sort of try out some of the traditions you've seen around, like it is really important, you know, so many people of color have had to really fight for their spiritual practices, you know, whether it's Native American people who've had to fight to keep their, to preserve their culture and preserve, you know, their spiritual practices against, you know, white colonizers and settlers who, who, who forbid them from having their spiritual practices, you know, or like, you know, enslaved African people, who had to like hide their spiritual practices and pretend, you know, that they were actually enacting like a Christian religion, but really having to find ways to sneak there. That's a really fascinating part that you cover in one of your books as mm-hmm. well. And I, I looked into since then, but hadn't known up to that point, which is that um, so many slaves who were incarcerated during that period had to take their own gods and adapt them to look like saint worship mm-hmm. which is so what sort of hideous beautiful to me you know yeah it's like that one of those mysteries of life where like something happened that is absolutely atrocious and should not have happened and was only evil and then from like the like resilience and imagination and and coping mechanisms of those people something beautiful was created you know it doesn't it doesn't yeah you know it doesn't make there be a balance it's just what happened you know and and now there's this beautiful there are these beautiful syncretic religions where folks are you know they're they're worshiping um you know saint that looks like they're worshiping saint barbara but really behind saint barbara is like the african caribbean deity chongo and that's who they're really praying to you know it's really cool. And, you know, I'm somebody who, who finds those religious practices, um, really beautiful and really powerful, but it's like not mine. You know what I mean? Like I'm a, like a white person, Mm. you know, and it's just, you know, and I'm not saying, I don't know, maybe you're a white person who grew up in a neighborhood where everyone was practicing Santeria around you and you feel like you have an entryway to to that practice that is really authentic so you know go on i'm not here to police anybody but i'm just saying as a white person you should question you know where do this where does this tradition come from and you know it's i just think it feels probably like a slap in the face to people of color who had to fight to preserve you know their their religious beliefs from the oppression of white people at great cost and then to see white people being like ooh, you know (laughs) 
here I am doing this yeah. like exotic religious practice. Cool. It's like no, don't be that person. Yeah, it's it's the it's the real it's the I'm into voguing right now thing, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. Don't don't do that. You know what's really cool is that um, every um, you know every ethnicity. Um, Every geographical location, the people who lived there had an indigenous earth-based pagan practice. These were the first spiritual spiritualities everywhere, you know? So, you know, in Ireland, we know, right? People like there's like there were the Celtic people like had like a really intense pagan practice. And the same is true everywhere. Um, so whatever your ethnic heritage is, all you need to do is like look at it. Like I'm also Polish and like I knew about I've I've been familiar with like the um Irish pagan roots because I feel like there's it's it's really known it, um but like I was like oh is there like a Polish pagan practice that was in in play before Christianity kind of descended and of course there was yeah know? the like, answer Christ- is always yes yeah <laughs> yeah the answer is always yes like Christianity is relatively recent H- humans have always been spiritual creatures so what were we doing before you know, that, that before the Inquisition, when it was like imposed on, on people throughout yeah. the globe, you know, you, and, you and have even before that, it's like, yeah, you know, Christianity was only enforced as a European religion after the fall of the Roman empire as a way yeah. to kind of maintain a sort of a seat of control ideologically, if not physically. So it's like, mm-hmm. these things have always been to do with power structures failing and rising. Yeah. And so the more personal you can make these things, and like I also just love the just the elasticity of that really. I do too. Yeah. And I do too. Yeah. And like as someone who like grew up Catholic and went through all the Catholic, you know, coming of age things, I I did I, I think you did as well, right? I like, did, yeah. I think confirmation. It, it, confirmation, communion. What's your saint name? Who's your who's who's your saint? Therese. Oh. <laughs> who's yours? That's nice. Bernadette. I love that. <laughs> Yeah, I know. I love Therese. I love the saints. Like that's something that I can take with me, I think, a little bit from um, Catholicism. And and it might be actually because of my uh, my interest in my study, um, the, the, the moment I took studying up on, on Centuria and, and African Caribbean magical practices and to see how they use the saints, you know, and I was like, oh, maybe, yeah. maybe I can use the saints also, you know, and and then you're like, I can actually use anything. And that's what this is all about. Yeah. But I'm sorry, I interrupted Say- you. Um, tell me about your Catholic coming of age. <laughs> <laughs> no, but like, I, I love, like, Saint, like, obviously, Ireland is a Catholic country, or it's not so much anymore, but it definitely was when I was yeah. growing up. And, like, saint worship as a kid is very common, because there are child saints, <gasps> and, like, they feel sort of close. Yeah. And, 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 you know, my... um. My school saint was Saint Bridget, and on the first of February, you're supposed to are supposed to leave out something for her to bless outside your window overnight, and it's very pretty and magical. Oh, I, love that. And I really, I loved yeah. it too. I really loved it. I really felt the ritual, and I there was always this part in a Catholic mass where they they ring the bells, yes. you know. And I remember somebody telling me that's like all the that's all the angels being like summoned to come down, and I would like sit at the back of mass and just sort of visualize it and feel so happy and feeling like my my imaginative brain and my you know creature need for devotion was being satisfied at the same oh, time. I love that. That's so lovely. It was, yeah, thank you. It was be- it was lovely, and I something something I whatever think to talk about or or feel about now. But then obviously, you get older and you realize how 
first of all, like, of all the Judeo-Christian religions, Catholicism has got to be, like, number one for just, like, nope. Yeah, <laughs> like, I mean, they're so bad. <laughs> they're so bad. It's awful. They're just terrible. Oh, there's... They're, and they're just like, oh, and the awfulness goes back. Oh, it's just awful. And especially if you're Irish as well. And, like, you and me growing up in, in the 90s and noughties, every fucking two days you get it's some priest who is beloved who you know is an awful awful human yeah. being and and it, it develops this thing inside of you which is um i'm part of this religion but and we're in the bad boy club and so <laughs> so it makes you reach for pagan stuff in this sort of way of being like i'm not ready to give up devotion right but i i i am already in the bad boy club so i might as well go into like slight satanism <laughs> I mean, you're a little lucky. You're a little closer to it with Catholicism because I feel like Catholicism, of all the little uh, offshoots of Christianity, you can really see where where they were, where they, um, you know, adopted the pagan practices to kind of bring the people in. You know, like you had these people who had all of these earth based pagan practices, and the Catholics were like, "Well, how can we let them do that?" But we'll say it's something else now. You know, like Yule. Like Yule is a pagan holiday. It's Yule, the, Yule is fully crazy. Yeah, it's the winter equinox, right? It's the winter solstice, and you put, you know, there's all this stuff about light because it's the darkest night of the year. I mean, this is fully pagan. And so the Catholics are like, uh, it's Jesus's birthday, actually. He's a Capricorn or a Sag or whatever that is. You know, it's like, no, it's not. Like, Yeah, Catholicism is fully just a kid running into a room, dimming yeah. everything. <laughs> totally. It's like, even like, if you look at a church structure, those big round windows at the front of a Catholic church, those are like, the, those are called rose windows. And it's, it's like, you know, it's, it's like a pagan goddess you know, it's left over from goddess practices um, and goddess worships and just about, especially in Ireland, right? There's so many churches that have Sheila gigs on it. Like, tell me why the, these Catholic churches have, you know, built into these ancient structures an image of an old woman holding her vagina open. That is pagan AF. Like, come on, that is not, I don't recall any Bible stories about that. And so, you know, you're actually quite close to paganism as a Catholic. You just got to make that leap, I think, you know? Yeah, <laughs> Already halfway yeah, there. Yeah, you're there. Just go for it. You talk a little bit about in your um, your work about sort of cultural representations of witchcraft more modernly. So I think the things that people will think of a lot would be like the craft mm-hmm. and like for me, practical magic was a big one. People love Nicole that. Kidman yes, so beautiful. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I um it's also such a gay movie. Yeah, I mean a lot of these things have a lot of a lot of these like witchy things, there's something queer about them, right? Like I, I loved Elvira. Right. <laughs> really. I loved Elvira. I love Yes, I loved El- certified by Visible, yes! right? She's queer, right? She just came out, so it's like such so fun. What a great She just, just came, came out. out. I love that. But I loved her, I loved I loved her her like sexy campy power, you know, like she she was like so high femme and but also you know always felt like like not a submissive personality like very like in your face and playful I, I love her I love Sabrina the Teenage Witch the reboot I think they did such a great job with that so I know this has been kind of a, a freewheeling sort of a chat mm-hmm. but for anybody who's listening who still feels like they don't know where to get mm-hmm. in with the tarot sure. 
I know I know astrology is the way that most people connect first, right? I mean, I um, guess so. Yeah, I guess I knew I knew that I was like an Aquarius at a very young age and that my grandmother was also an Aquarius and I didn't know anything about tarot. I mean, you know, if you're interested right now, like you're very lucky. Like there's never been a better time to look into these practices. Like I I really recommend Chani Nicholas's astrology book you were born for this and also just looking into if you're interested in, in astrology look at chani nicholas she has um an app called chani that um even if you just get the oh, free app for your phone it's so cool um and she's just a huge she's a wonderful astrologer with a real big social justice practice and um yeah she's just she's incredibly cool so i, I love her astrology um for tarot i mean I recommend your book to oh, everybody, thank you. man. It is it is the Modern Tarot by Michelle T is the number one book for this thank kind of you stuff. So and much. yeah, people should just buy just decks. Get a people deck. are like weirdly afraid they of are. just buying There's a deck. There's a lot of um, superstition around tarot decks. Like you can't buy your own, someone needs to give it to you. And then like you have to sleep with it under your pillow. Like all this is bullshit. Like if that feels fun for you, if you and your bestie want to go and buy each other tarot decks, do it. If you want Oh, that does look like a nice day. Really cute. Uh, if you want to sleep with your tarot deck under your pillow because it feels like ritualistic and inspiring, you should do it. For me, you know, I don't like sleeping with a deck of cards under my pillow. It's like interferes with my sleep. But there's other things you can do to familiarize yourself with the cards. Really, just playing with them, giving yourself readings, picking a card a day, reading for your friends, reading the booklets or the books that come with these decks. There's so many decks right now that there's a deck for you. Like never before has there absolutely been a deck for you and whoever whoever you are in the world you know absolutely and one thing that's really handy about decks is there are so many like culture decks now the ones about like game of thrones or like rupaul's drag race or whatever and what's great about that is if you're learning and you if you like already know what those characters are it gives you a great memory tool yeah exactly and and then suddenly you see everything as an archetype and you're like oh she's a queen of cups totally (laughs) i love that i love that they're not dark it's not going to invite like ghosts into your house. Like I like to remind people who are kind of scared of them, who've been taught to be scared of them. It's all, you know, you've always been taught to be scared of them. They're not inherently scary. Um, I always remind them they're made in printing presses in China, like every other book that you have in your home. Like every other yeah, thing. You know, they're made in big factories. <laughs> like they're not sort of conjured in a cave somewhere, you know, um, they're just, they're just objects and they are not inherently good or bad and we we put our energy into them you know and and that's how they operate it's not you know it's 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 actually not that bad you know hate to take the hate to take the magic out of magic but that's you know yeah Michelle, thank you so much for coming on today. You've been an absolute joy. Your books are available everywhere. And Your Magic is your podcast and your uh, website. Yeah, you're, yes. uh, yeah, you can go to thisisyourmagic.com and you can sign up for our newsletter. We do an awesome weekly newsletter where you can get some cool, I mean, that's another way not to be so self-promoting, but if you want to, to kind of uh, start sussing out a little bit of like, what is this world about? This is a really fun and accessible way to do it is just get our newsletter in your email box every week. All right. Thank you so much, Michelle. You're welcome. Thank you. This has been Sentimental Garbage, and I've been Caroline O'Donoghue. You can follow me on Twitter at Zaraline, that's C-Z-A-R-O-L-I-N-E, or email me about the podcast at sentimentalpod at gmail.com. This has been a Justice for Dumb Women podcast. Thank you to Harry Harris for the jingle, Gavin Day for the artwork, and Hannah Varro for the mixing.
mom deserves better than a drugstore card. This Mother's Day, surprise her with a truly special personalized card from Moonpig. Add your favorite photos, a heartfelt message, and we'll even mail it for you the same day, all for just $5. From mom to grandma, we have something to celebrate every mom in your life. Every mom deserves a Moonpig card. Get 50% off your first card at Moonpig.com. Moonpig.com